Hey guys, what's going on? And welcome to this episode of The Uncovered Cinema. I'm Brian and I'm joined with Will all the way Will. over in Florida. Hey, how you doing? Woo! Gotta love Florida. It's all right, cold. today we are talking about an exciting episode. This one is, I know you've been waiting for it for a while, how to get into film school. And uh, I'm, we're going to have to do an addendum to this one because it's also going to be other ways to get into film school if you don't want to go or what ways you want to get into film if you don't go to film school like uh like i yeah. chose my path but yeah there's not there's not just one path there's a bunch of paths that you can take absolutely to get into the film industry and you can become successful in either one of them i guess it, it mm-hmm. it's kind of rings the same way for real life as well because you can either go to college and and find a successful job or you can work your ass off and eventually get those raises you need and still make the same amount of money so it's uh really yeah. player's choice yeah, and you'll be surprised at how many people spend money to go to a four-year school that started in the same exact position that you would start in if you didn't go to film school at all. And age in film is not a thing. Actually, in fact, if you're older, like I was when I got into it, you have a better chance of gaining better jobs than those kids that are 18 or 19 years old. So we'll talk about that a little bit as well. Awesome. Well, you have some uh, information. Well, first stuff that we want to go over. Uh, recent article that came out and uh, actually we were talking about it before we started. So mm-hmm. this is something that I've seen even echoed in South Park, uh, which is, you know, major on a major TV network. However, it's uh, false information. So what do you got for us? Yeah. So I was um, doing a little bit of research on uh, something we're going to be talking about on our next episode and coming across it, I found a satire article about uh, how the new Mulan is going to be, uh, transgender instead of a crossdresser, and apparently it made the internet freaking explode. I'm talking about we have uh, we have Twitter just exploding. The LGBTQ community is pissed off about it. We have Chinese uh, magazines being pissed off about it because Mulan is not transgender. Nobody in the LGBTQ community believes she's transgender. Nobody in China. But isn't she <laughs> is, a girl trying to be a boy? So what? How does that? So she's a crossdresser, and that's a huge, oh. huge difference. So she is um, back in the day, like women were not allowed to fight in the military. So she would dress up as a man to fight in the military, but she never believed herself to be a man. She never wanted to live as a man. She just wanted to fight in the military. And then when she came out and she was discovered being a woman, she went back to being a woman. And that's huge into Chinese uh, mythology, huge into their like who she is and their beliefs. So when um, the satire article came out saying Disney's going to make her transgender, the world exploded. It was just <laughs> the basically transgender false people information. Were pissed off because they're like, no. Yeah, yeah, basically false information. They're like, no, heck no. She's um, she's a crossdresser. She's not transgender. They're different. Don't like I get you're trying to include us, but don't lie. Don't get spread yeah. falseness. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's interesting that a distinction that you made though is, is yeah, it's cross dressing. So it, it basically she doesn't want to be a boy, uh, for clarification. She's just dressing as a boy to uh get into the military and, and act as a mm-hmm. soldier and, and serve her part. Yeah, to fight. But uh the distinction would be for people that are transgender, they do want to be the opposite sex that they currently are. And uh mm-hmm. or, or or they do want to be a different sex, let's say, would be more appropriate. And so that was something I actually saw on uh, on the most recent episode of South Park. I'm assuming this is, this is new information. So uh, they mm-hmm. were doing that, that as well. They were, they made a direct connection with that Mulan movie coming out in the remake and how it, it doesn't address transgender issues uh, besides surface level. It just it just grazes yeah. the surface with them. But it really, in fact, it, it has nothing to do with it at all. They're completely separate things. So the official stance of the LGBT lgbt community is that that is not something that that they're identifying with in in this movie yeah the lgbtq community uh from what i can tell on twitter and everywhere else is absolutely pissed off um that they really thought disney was going to make her transgender turns out this whole thing was just a satire from um mpc what are they called mpc something uh, whatever. It's some satire. Uh, they don't even need new, to uh, deserve to be named. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's some it satire thing, which came, uh, they wrote the article because of 
a tweet somebody said in response to um, uh, something the president said about even the president uh, got in on this. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was the first one to say something stupid. Like, you know, he's always the first one to tweets. say something stupid. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we he, don't need to take political something. stances, but there is a, a, a fact in that, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. He tweeted something that somebody was pissed off about, and they're like, Mulan was not transgender. She was a cross dresser. Please stop. Again, Mulan was not transgender. She was a cross dresser. Please stop. And this satire site took that tweet and ran with it, saying, Oh, Disney is going to make a. Mulan transgender. This is coming from an inside source and blah, blah, blah. And none of it was true. Yeah. And then next thing you know, uh, freaking USA Today got on top of it. The the Chinese magazine, like everybody took it for its face value instead of looking into it. Yeah. It it just goes to show, I mean, how, how dangerous false information can be and and Mm -hmm. how quickly it can spread in this. I mean, that's, that's things that we've been talking about as well. The dangers of having niche media, everything going smaller and smaller. And and we collectively as a, a society don't have a opinion that we can share anymore together. It's it's all individualized. So it makes progress yeah. really tough when you when you do that. Yeah, exactly. And it just like ah, research people, research. Like I, I get getting mad about something if it's true. Yeah. <laughs> but just it took me literally like I read that at first and I was like, oh, that's stupid. What the hell? And then it took me literally one minute of research on the internet to find out the earliest article is this satire website. And there was no reference to any spokesperson saying it. Disney didn't come out and officially say it. Nothing. So I'm like, well, obviously this is fake. Yeah. yeah. Disney, <laughs> like, they're the creators themselves don't even comment on it. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, exactly. That brings up a, a, another film related uh, issue that I was reading actually is uh, posted in the New York Times today. Uh, and it, this one is progressed because of the Me Too movement and because of the, 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 the transgender, um, issues that are going on. And actually what film productions have, have started doing now is hiring what they call intimacy coordinators. So, uh, intimacy, intimacy coordinators, what they will do is they basically, uh, facilitate the sex scenes that you're going to see on TV. So what's that, what that is giving us Ooh. as a viewer found my dream job. Yeah, exactly. I don't even know how <laughs> yeah. you get into this industry. That sounds great to me. They, they study sex in film and then they go out and mm-hmm. they get hired as, as a, as a basically a consultant for sex on, on scenes, but they're Ooh. making it more sexier as a result of it. It's, it's interesting how that this is something that has sprung from the me too movement because it's, it's very opposite of, of the uh, opinions shared from the Me Too movement, but because of it, yeah, they're 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 analyzing things now for like what they call um, GPM or, or uh, grunts mm-hmm. per minute. You know, they want they they <laughs> the the way that they interact with each other, and and now they're making sure that more uh, not n- traditional sex scenes that you might see is is a white woman and a white man together, but they're making sure that now we have. Uh, scenes of color and boy on boy interaction, girl on girl interaction, and and they're really trying to represent this this uh, section in in film uh, more. See, and that's such a and that's yeah, and that's such a good thing because now with those uh, people, we can make sure that we don't have anything going on that either the actor or the actress or um, both actors or both actresses, whatever it is, is uncomfortable with, which is huge right. because I remember hearing horror stories back in the day of actresses uh, getting like tongues thrown down their throats when they didn't agree to it. And, you know, being assaulted when they agree to being, you know, kissed and next thing you know, they're being grabbed and stuff. Well, that's a good point so because it, it's, it's essentially supervising this, taboo side of the industry and it's making it more mm-hmm. more controlled and supervised it's it's not just what's on camera now it's also what the interview process the audition yeah. process is going to entail and the mm-hmm. executives that are going to be involved in it um yeah because like contact whether it's on screen or off screen is still very intimate i mean like you're still kissing someone you're still you know, quote unquote, having sex with someone, even if you're not, and you have to be comfortable with that person. So I think 
uh, intimacy was intimacy guidance or oh, oh, it was a intimacy coordinator? coordinator. Yeah, is what they're calling him. Intimacy coordinator. I think that's a great ingenious idea. Well, are you familiar with the oh, uh, movie man. Shia LaBeouf did, where the director actually had him had intercourse on camera? They actually that was a condition what? of the contract to film this movie was that he had to actually have sex on camera no. with his co-star. No freaking way. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah, I'm 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 going to look it up, but I remember that made <laughs> that made news. Uh it was it was a few years ago. And uh you know that was oh, one of the conditions of, of of having to sign the contract was all the players in that movie would actually have intercourse that way. Uh it but so I guess that is a good thing that there's like the intimacy coordinators and we're having groups like that. But <laughs> I, I don't know when's the point when it's like like too much. Are you familiar with like uh, recently there's been a, a what they call him the criminal in, in Las Vegas who's they don't know who he is yet. And I don't think he's ever going to be charged for it. But he's, they're finding pigeons with little cowboy hats glued to their head. So <laughs> you have all these pigeons <laughs> <That's awful. laughs> running around Las Vegas and they look like little cowboys with, <laughs> just, you know, oh, I think it, you know, it's, it's, that has to be animal cruelty. That's, like that's what no... they're going to go with is animal cruelty. But also because of it, it spawned pigeon advocacy groups. So now we, that is such a thing is that we have whole organizations what? in, in protection and support of the We're... pigeons of Las Vegas now. Where the hell were they in freaking New York when people are putting rice on the ledges to kill pigeons? Yeah, so by contrast, like, cowboy hats are not that bad. I mean, I, I would even argue that no. they're larger predators, the the hawks and everything. They look a little bit more fierce now because everybody looks fierce in a cowboy hat. Yeah, but that, <laughs> yeah, it's true. They could be thrown off the natural way of things. Yeah, though. that's something they're Even trying to figure out too is what's, how is this going to affect their... their it might, it might make the, the pigeons more predator ish because they now have shaded eyes under the the brisk cap of the cowboy mm -hmm. hat <laughs> that's true might be like evolving. <laughs> if anything i think it's just an art piece punk? is what i would call it it's it's really just it's going to end up being an art piece and uh i mean it's unfortunate yeah, that they're I, using real animals that's not cool yeah that's it's it's a little too much also adorable well, well, if you would just see you, know, like a little pigeon yeah, in the cowboy adorable. <laughs> i i just i just saw a picture it's yeah, absolutely we'll, adorable. We'll, but, we'll get a picture of it on instagram <laughs> but that's not okay that is not cool um well speaking of putting uh costumes yeah, and on like and you know we're on the issue of sex anyway oh God, so yeah that kind of brings us right into uh what we're uh talking i don't even know how to transition to this <laughs> what should i talk about pigeons fucking a <laughs> ah, i couldn't transition into that one okay oh, well <laughs> i had to mention since the you pigeons, guys want to talk about uh clowns and pigeons and stuff <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about getting into film school today so what what yeah. is your experience of, of how you got into the industry and and how you're able to learn about it and whatnot so so i went to uh film school when i uh when I first started looking and getting into the film industry, I was like, you know, I really want to be behind the camera. I really want to be, um, you know, calling the shots of the different uh, angles we're going to take. I want to be directing films and stuff. So I was like, you know what, let me go through film school. Let me learn uh, the cinematography aspect to it. Maybe a little bit of directing to figure out what I like most. Right. And that's not at all what I enjoy about film. <laughs> <laughs> Come to find out. I, I went to film school to find out I love setting up lights of all the damn That's things in film. Thing lights about setting up scenes, oh, scene composition is lighting. It's huge. Mm -hmm, it's it's hugely important. Any cinematographer worth their freaking weight and salt knows how to set up a scene through lights, how to get that feeling that you want through lights, whether it's horror or action or comedy or whatever it is, it's completely different setups. And most of what you learn as a DP is to figure out how to get that lighting set up. And as a DP, if you have a good gaffer, the guy that sets up the lights, then you're able to pull out like a tremendously good film. Like all the, all the grade A films that you've seen, The Matrix oh, yeah. for one, um, Inception, all the films that bring out that have really beautiful lighting have a DP and a gaffer that know what the fuck ah, they're doing. So is that, is that what a DP <laughs> and does? actually care. 
yeah dp <laughs> i was <laughs> fuck you no dp is i think i have an imdb of me as a uh, dp but i didn't know what the hell i was doing <laughs> i just <laughs> i just helped out anywhere i could i didn't know i was supposed to set up lights and stuff but oh shit <laughs> well see a, a dp is in control of both uh the lighting department and the camera uh, department it's like equally in control now there's some dps out there that have no idea what to do with lights so they get a gaffer that knows what he's doing and they're like hey this is what i want have fun get, yeah yeah bye-bye <laughs> okay so should i have been like behind the, the gaffer... camera and stuff trying to set up shots yeah i mean um if you're doing that like a good a good dp is gonna work its way up his way or her way up through the uh lighting department uh, so some some dps come from the camera side but you need to know less about how to work the camera and more about the shots you want to get with the camera you need to know about shot composition you need to know about what uh angles that you want to get at what depth and how much background you want whether you want it blurry whether you want it like regular what what you want to do with the camera right how you want to move the camera. And with that, you need to see how you want to do the lighting on all those different uh, movements, all those different scenes to be able to get out the feeling that you want people to see and understand and feel with each one of the shots. And ah, each one of the okay. Scenes. See, that's not where I have my passion then. <laughs> Cause I, I was a DP on a, on a billboard top 100 uh, music video and uh, over up to date, nice. it's got over a million views. So I'm pretty happy about that. I made myself yeah. important. I, I didn't know what a DP did, even though that's what I was officially hired as. But I still worked my ass off and, and made sure that I was an asset. So that's kind of how I've gotten into mm -hmm. this industry. Well, I, I actually started as a, as a principal first. So I <clears throat> was in law enforcement and mm -hmm. the economy crashed. It's a horrible time to be a public servant. So they weren't hiring anybody. They were letting everybody go. This was 2008, 2009. Ow. So I turned over to yeah, when we need being everybody, a, uh, a fugitive recovery agent, which is basically a bounty hunter. And at a convention, mm -hmm. we were trying to sell our services to other bail bonds investigators. And this guy was really interested in me and my partner. And it turned out that he mm -hmm. was a producer for Fremantle Media. They're, they are what you would call the Walmart of, of the production industry or reality TV industry. <laughs> they do... Um, American nice. Idol, Storage Wars, um, the individual, mm. the the producer I worked with works with uh, Pit Bulls and Parolees, that that TV show on Animal Planet. So oh, cool. they produced a yeah. show with us, and it did horrible. It looked just like an episode of Cops because we're just a bunch of young guys <laughs> kicking in doors, dragging people back to jail, and <clears throat> and. So they said that they were going to can it and they gave us the opportunity to produce it ourselves. So we decided that we'd bring in uh, okay. some comedic relief. We had them hire an actual actor and come in and work with us and planned out shots and things that we wanted to do to, to make it. Cause that's another thing. Reality TV isn't real. Otherwise it would yeah. be just a documentary. It's, it's fabricated yeah. drama. So the way that they work is yeah. the reactions are real but the drama is fabricated. So for an example, if we're filming a TV mm -hmm. show uh, about building trucks, the producer might sneak over and steal one of the most important pieces for this build, causing the person that they're filming to freak out and not being able to finish their job. This creates the act two. This creates all the drama that you see in the episode and force. And then, so that mm -hmm. those reactions are real, you know, him throwing the wrench on the floor and, and yelling at everybody about this piece that's missing. All that's real. But he fabricated the drama altogether. And and, and what comes after that, that's what makes good TV oh, is wow. because we want to see how they're going to get over this this challenge and, and how they're going to finish this build that has to be done tomorrow or whatever it may be. Oh. So. <clears throat> oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't that's, know that. that's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, that's, that's basically how they work. So for me, when I started working with them, I saw how easy it was to create this show and all the all the products and gear that mm -hmm. they were using and the editing suite softwares and stuff that they used uh and i thought it would be since i had already made the connection with a, a you know lead producer in the industry 
it would be super easy. I just go out and yeah. buy the cameras, That's... buy the, all the microphones and stuff, and I could start producing shows on my own and just sell them to this guy. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what I did after our show did horrible and <laughs> and failed. We, I went out and bought all the equipment and started creating my own ideas. I saw exactly what he was doing, created uh, scissor reels and uh, sizzle reels, and mm -hmm. brought them to him. And if he yeah. liked them, he'd take them. If not, he would give me advice to work on it. And pretty soon, I started meeting other people that had experience or that were at the same level I was in moving forward with getting a show made. So it allowed me to expand to like doing shows with food network and, uh, I did true TV. And then I started doing paid gigs where I would get like advertisements for, uh, like headphones and, uh, what else did I, uh, yeah. I started working with the people that were on the set working with these shows. They would get other gigs and they would call me mm -hmm. and I would be able to work on that. And pretty soon I just, saw how this process was working. So I started to make my own stuff. I started yep. to do my own shorts, my own uh, little movies and, and stuff that was outside of the reality film or reality TV uh, area. And yeah. so I think that's kind of where I found my niche is as producing is creating content. That's, that's what I like to do now. Now I'm fortunate that I don't, have to work for anybody. I, I just, I can make my own YouTube videos. And I think that's, that's an important, uh, YouTube videos and podcasts as it were, because I think that's an important freedom that I, uh, creative freedom that I like to have because mm -hmm. when I would produce stuff for shows, it would always, you know, you work really hard on something and, and something, maybe something that you think is the best shot and the best way that it was edited and put together. They'll say it's crap and want, throw mm -hmm. it away or get rid of it. And they always want to change something and change your idea. So yeah. now I like the freedom of just being able to produce content for myself or for the people I, I work with. And I have that freedom to just publish and not have to worry about someone telling me to change something or uh, give me extra deadlines or tell me, you know, something doesn't meet the criteria to yeah. be on a, a certain show. So that, that, yeah, I guess I kind of moved away from, that industry, that film industry, the professional commercial side of it, but it's, it's still, mm -hmm. I'm still doing the same thing I was doing for TV shows. I'm just doing it for myself now. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. And that's, that's a huge thing about the film industry. It's all connections. If you don't have connections, you're not going to survive in the industry. And that's just, that's just the way it is. That's one thing that people go to school about. They think they're going to school about learning the craft. No, no, no. That's not why you go to film school. If you go to film school to learn the craft, you are literally wasting money. Go onto YouTube. You can learn everything you're going to learn about film in YouTube. That's how I learned. But what you go to film school for is to make the contacts. Making the contacts is everything. That is life in the film industry. If you don't have the contacts, you're not going to survive. And also... If you do have the contacts and people don't like you, you're not going to survive. Exactly. Yeah. You can't be a dick. You need, you need, you need yeah, to you always be hungry. Be you need to be mm -hmm. eager, always. happy to work, do anything. You never, you can never say no. You can never turn yep. down a day because as you've said, if, once you start, it's just, yeah, the first downhill. day you say no is the last day you work. Yep. And it's, 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 it's insane. So also you can't complain. If you're on set, guys, if you're brand new to the film industry and you're looking to get into it and you're a complainer right now, work on it. Start like, hey, instead of complaining to my buddy about this, how about I try to fix it? Right. Or I see what I can do to make this better. Or if it's something that really doesn't need to be complaining about, like, you know, Joe over there said something about um, Schmo's mom over there. I'm going to get in the middle. No, don't get in the middle shut of it. Up Back the hell and out work. and shut the hell up. Yeah, that's the only reason <laughs> yeah. you're there. I, yeah. If you have issues with people telling you what to do, get over it. Because in the film industry, I'm 30 years old. Okay. I started the film industry when I was 29 years old. Okay. I started late in my life. I have freaking 20 year olds telling me what to do. If you have issues with that, you're not going to make it guys. You're not going to make it or girls don't matter. Yeah. But you're not going to make it. What is something you have once they get into the industry, you get your foot in the door. What is the expectation of hours that you would be working? Because I think there's this delusion that it's an eight-hour day, clock in, clock out. You get your 15-minute oh, breaks, hour lunch. Get, getting, yeah, getting your foot in the door is the hardest part. Uh, for the first couple months of working in the industry, if you think you're going to make a penny, you're wrong. Yep. 
you're not going to make any money at all until you do. Yeah. <laughs> and when you do, you start making money. In that case, you're also hours. the select few that actually make that money. Yeah. You know? There's always somebody up yeah. top making more than you because they they mm-hmm. have been in the game longer. They feed off of your ideas and get paid for it. Yep, exactly. And you know what's the stupid ironic part? The free gigs are going to be your 18-hour days. And the gigs you're making $600 a day are going to be your 12-hour days. Let that sink. Yeah, but... You're going to work more for nothing. Exactly. And less for more. It's it's weird. But <laughs> the ones you work on free, you're going to get a call back someday from somebody that you mm-hmm. might have worked with that could have been a the the lonely gaffer or something on the side that oh, decide, yeah. that's got a huge job and he needs 20 people to work with them because he's moving into directing or something or he's making his own short and he's getting mm-hmm. ready to put it in awards you know so uh yeah that those are the ones that pay off they're they make you money but not uh it's a long-term gig it's not a right long-term away. investment yeah yeah it was, it's so funny one of my best gigs because uh you can make money right working freelance uh freelance um doing uh grip and electric and that's what a lot of you guys are going to start in especially if you want to be behind the camera you're going to start in grip and electric and you might move into camera if you can get a chance most of the time, camera PAs, uh, camera ops, and stuff like that, like a cam op in a big uh, blockbuster movie, he's probably been in that spot for 20 years, and he's going to be working in that camera for 20 more years. Good yeah, luck. He's going to die there. But <laughs> yeah, he's going to die there because those fools make 750 a day, and they're not about to give you their damn spot. Um, but a lot of people start in Grip and Electric because it's easy to get in. It's hard work. It's hard work, but it's easy to get in, and it's good money. But one of my best gigs, one of my first gigs, uh, I was working paid gigs at this point for about three or four months, uh, making anywhere from a hundred dollars a day, which is awful, but those are usually favors for friends up to $600 a day, which is typical. Um, one of my buddies calls me up and he's like, Hey, I need you this weekend. I need you for a three day gig. I cannot pay you. I need you all days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 18 to 20 hours a day. I was like, all right, no problem. You're my buddy. I got you. Went to it, had to cancel or had to find a replacement for a paid gig. I actually had that weekend at $500. Oh. All right. So I lost $1,500 to help my buddy out. But this is my buddy. Like, you know, I help him out. He helps me out. I got one of my other friends, my gig, which is fine. In the industry, it's not like work where it's like you're calling out. No, you have to find a replacement and then all is cool. If you don't find a replacement and you are no show, uh, no code, uh, no call, no yeah. show. You will never work again. The industry is ever. small enough that, yeah, they will, the word will spread and you won't yeah. work for, because somebody else on that ever. set is going to work on another <laughs> set with you. And it's actually happened quite a lot of times that I've, I've done mm-hmm. things where I work on small projects and I see all these other people that I hired, they're working on other projects together, bigger projects nowadays, which is awesome that to see that they're growing in their careers, but that's so cool that they're, they started working with me on my projects and now they're. They're doing like, you know, once upon a time in Hollywood together and, mm-hmm. and they're, or, they're, they're, they're doing it, you know, that's, that's pretty yeah. cool to see. It's, it's awesome. But yeah. So hours, but, um, expectations, my buddy, yeah, 20 hours, 18, but, 20 hours and uh, yeah, 18, 20 hours a day, but also favors. Um, like I was saying, my yeah. buddy, like I gave up 1500 bucks to help him. And two months later, he got me a three week reoccurring gig on a show that comes into town at my own rate. As a Grip and Electric, as a Best Boy Electric, you usually make about five fifty a day. I um I call in and request, or I not call in, I request six fifty a day, and they gladly pay it plus an extra fifty for free. Yeah, there you go. It's that type of stuff that people do for you when you do things for them. Yeah, <laughs> and I think you know? one important thing is the the money does sound nice. I, when I did a reality TV show and it would sell to a a network you would make like 30 grand off the top right there just just to sell the rights to that network. Mm-hmm. But it, it's hard to come in between. And, and I think it's also important to show yeah. that there is good money, but um, the you are a freelance worker and you yes. don't know when your next paycheck is going to come. It, so that's also a scary aspect because yep, every job you work is also your last job until you find another job. Yep. The, yeah, the money is goes far easier than it comes far easier and it takes a while to get paid like if you're working a gig don't expect a paycheck for a month or two months 
So it's not like you're going to be like, okay, cool, I'm getting paid at the end of the month. Like, no. But then when you get that money, it may have to last like, you another six months until you find some more work, especially yeah. if you yeah. were running your mouth or something your at, the next, at the last job site. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, your parents might be like, oh, cool, you just got a $6,000 check. You must be rolling in it. You'd be like, well, <laughs> I don't know when my next check's coming, exactly. so this is going to last me a minute. <laughs> Ultimately, for me, it was one of the... you get the next gig, and you're like, okay. For me, it was one of the reasons why I decided that this is not a career I wanted to pursue much longer, because I I did get my foot in the door. I didn't have the experience, even though I, you were just at the start of this, I didn't know mm-hmm. what a DP did. However, it didn't matter because I made myself an asset on set and I was still rehired from that production company over and over again. Yes. It didn't matter because I was still busting my ass. And I think that was an important thing. But I ultimately decided that this wasn't a career that I wanted to pursue because when you start a family, when you buy a house, you need to know when that next paycheck is coming. I'd rather settle on a smaller paycheck every two weeks than a big one every few months. Yeah. And uh, don't take this the way we're saying that you don't need to go to film school because it is super, super, super helpful. Like I learned, I learned ten times more at film school because I had that hands-on with all the different um, equipment, all the different sets. Uh, I get sit down and talk to teachers who went to AFI. If you guys don't know, AFI is American Film Institute. It is the best film school in the world. You get out of there sure as is. a DP, you're making 1200 bucks a day. It also costs... When I was 17 years old, I was actually looking to get in that school. Oh. I, that was my goal, is to move down to Florida and get into that that school. Instead, I moved down to LA because I thought that's where the center of the world is. But Yeah, <laughs> AFI is... Oh, Still God, I love... I. Oh, I would kill to go to AFI. Um, it's a master's program or a uh, certificate program. It costs $130,000 to go mind you, which is a lot. Um, and only 23 people a year are allowed to go. And then not all of them even wow. make it to their second year. It, it's a lot to get into the second year. And it's it's hard for a reason. God, I'm yeah, it, you hit it on the head, though. It's definitely <laughs> worth it because I chose to do it the harder way by making the mistakes. And, and I watched the YouTube videos and I tried to learn from that. I bought the books. I tried to learn from that, but it's so much more easier to just have a pro right there and tell you this is the way to do it. And somebody that's been doing, has all that experience of years Mm -hmm. and years of doing it and to teach you so that when you get out, you have all the right tools you need and you, you know what you're supposed to be doing for the fucking job you get hired for, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. That's that's important because they, they ultimately did hire me for a reason to perform a job. And luckily, uh, it was, you know, it was taken care of between everybody else, but yeah, that was yeah. a major mistake. I, I still made myself valuable, but it was important that I should have fulfilled that purpose that I was hired for. Yeah. And uh, film school is so it, it's one of those things that it is unbelievably valuable if you have the ability to go. If you guys want to break into the industry and you can't afford film school because it's very expensive. The school I went to is about $80,000 for your bachelor program. So if you can't afford that, you don't have to kick yourself in the butt. You can still get into the industry. You don't have to worry about that. If you can afford that, if you're like prior military or something like I am shit, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> there's no reason not to like absolutely go. You learn so much. Uh, the military pays you while you go to school, which is fucking fantastic. You can work on sets like, Oh God, going to film school, especially if the military is paying for it. Hell, hell yeah. Ah, hands in the air. Yes. <laughs> I think also it, it probably the best guidance that we could both give collectively is that it's both of our stories are ways that we made it in the industry. But I think both of those are important to maybe do a, you know, cherry pick from a little bit of mm-hmm. both because you also don't want to graduate school with no experience. So yeah. maybe oh. start like he's saying, like you're saying, if you can't get in right away, yeah. start trying to insert yourself and get yourself into the industry and get the experience. Even if it's just the, the guy that holds the cables, Yeah, it, it's okay because you're watching everybody else do it, do the right things. And someday you might be in those positions, but yeah. you got to start from the bottom and, and, and work your way up. Yep. And the best way you can do that is just by getting any experience that you can. Yes. Student sets are the best. If you're in film school and you're not on set every single weekend, 
sorry for to say, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you are literally <laughs> wasting your fucking time and everybody else's time around you. You are in a That's place. That's the whole reason you're there. Yes, you're in a place where you can be on set and around film equipment 24 hours a day and you're sitting off fucking off playing Call of Duty. No. Yeah. Get your ass on set. Learn the damn equipment. All right. If you're not in film school, call contact the local college, even your community college. It's fine. They're always looking for people to work on the sets. They never have enough people and they don't pay you. So don't expect to get paid, but you learn in knowledge. You'll go there. They'll teach you what a stinger is. They'll teach you how to set up a 1K, a 2K, a 5K, a 15K. They'll teach you all that stuff, an 18K. They'll teach you how to, um, what electricity goes into what, how to um, set everything up, how to um, do a distro, all that stuff, which is invaluable in the film industry. And it's not the... What they're doing is is also high caliber of work too, because you know mm-hmm. they're preparing to go into the industry. You'd think, yeah, you know, working for a college or something is is not. It's just students doing a thing. But you know, I just actually at my school they just did a uh, a remake of uh, Little Shop of Horrors, mm-hmm. and it was amazing. I didn't have any expectations going into it. I thought the bar was going to be below, but no, they were singing and like I figured, yeah, at the, at the college level they're this is what they probably want to do with their lives, but they were yeah. full on. Like it felt like Disney level, you know, they were going yeah. out and like hitting those high notes and everything. And they were actually doing it themselves. And the production value was awesome. The, mm-hmm. the set, the props, they even had a, a big flower that was talking mm-hmm. and eating people, but it was, it was like the size of the room. And it was, it was amazing. They actually had a prop house build it. And I was blown out of the water with, yeah. with the, it, amount of work that they put into this yeah absolutely there's there's shorts that i've been on that's one um there's one that's going around the circuit right now and i think it's on 20 plus awards as a horror movie uh for an indie film like a short film and it's doing it's doing wonderful i have another film that um a buddy of mine uh worked on and one of my teachers directed and it got accepted into the student emmys so like there's there's stuff that you can do and get your name noticed out there and it's totally free working on student films is huge joining the local filmmakers facebook so if you're in like um yeah if you're in florida uh there's orlando filmmakers coalition there's uh central florida filmmakers there's a bunch of filmmaker facebook's that will uh facebook pages wow i sound old as crap right there um (laughs) that will allow you to facebook yeah orlando the facebook you can get on there (laughs) um but they'll they always post like hey um non-paid non-union we need uh x y and z right they may need a gaffer they may need a bunch of stuff because they're trying to make their dream come true with as little money as possible yeah it kind of sucks that you're not getting paid but you're getting that experience and who knows if that um short is successful and you're in its credits Next thing you know, when you um you're on that's your IMDb credit, you're trying yep. to get a job as a PA somewhere or a basic grip. Like, hey, I was a grip on this award winning movie. Just this Boom. little movie that won an award. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's you like okay, cool. Always have a job. I'm trying to get a grip job. I've been on a I've been a grip that has an award. So boom, hey, let me uh give me a shot. I get sh- I can prove to you that I know what I'm talking about. Because if you get onto a set, right, a professional set. And you don't know what a stinger is, you're going to get fired immediately. <laughs> a stinger, by the way, is an extension cord of sorts. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. I didn't know that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The if Facebook somebody asks you, like, "Hey, go a grab- great idea," I still have a lot of people that I've worked with, and they post things like that all the time. Even just today, it was it was a gig uh, to go do a, a three week event in Thailand. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you can get that job, you know, tomorrow you're flying to Thailand. You're going to work for Matt Damon's production mm-hmm. company because that's where he works for. So that, yeah. I see things like that all the time, though, even with, with prior people that I've worked with. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good thing and, to know. One yeah, thing, if you, guys, uh, you got to work with the Aria camera, right? So how was like uh, the Ari? Oh, dude, even being I in the same love room the for me, that's like a dream. Yeah, I I work with the Ari Classic a lot, um, the Red a lot, the Red Scarlet. Um, For if you don't know, with, the Aria is like the pinnacle it's one of the best of film cameras. That's what you they use everything for it because it's like it's mm-hmm. got so much. Uh, the Aries and the Reds are the two best cameras on the market right now. Um, they're pretty much used for everything. Uh, yeah. Just go to their websites; they'll have a list of all the different movies. 
the camera that it's shot with definitely does take into effect, especially if you shoot like a movie with an 8K camera, you can use that extra space to edit down. But what really comes out and what's really important is uh, the color aspects that come with these cameras, the color uh, profiles. Yeah. Being able to get that RE color, that red color to come out, that's what makes a film unique. Yeah. That's what makes people actually love it. It's color grading is one of the most important things that a lot of people don't know about. If you're anything makes a good, huge difference, yeah. Oh yeah. If you're even remotely good at photo editing, even remotely good at it, looking to be in a colorist, they make stupid money. <laughs> yeah. Like stupid, like money that makes me go. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I, I just can't do it. If yeah. you have an eye for color, looking to be in a colorist because holy fudge. Uh, Shit. It is. It is. <laughs> they make money. Absolutely, requirement of like being in working in a professional industry. Now I mm-hmm. I work as a photographer, so everything I take a picture of gets touched and processed and color graded before I send it out to a client. So that's absolutely essential, and it makes a huge difference. You can shoot with mm-hmm. an iPhone, but it, if you go through and color it and do all the right grading, exposure levels, and everything, it will look amazing. It will look like a billboard. Oh, photo. dude. I have a um, short that I made my first week of film schools, won three awards. It's not very good, but I shot it with an iPhone. I did the color grading. I um, lit it with literally uh, lights that I painted, for God's sakes, like little light bulbs I painted that <laughs> melted right after the oh, shoot. Oh, for the color. <laughs> yeah, to get your color in your Yeah, seat. like they, they, this was not, I, I think I spent 50 bucks total, and that was mainly on food for the crew. <laughs> yeah. I And... <laughs> My first shot, but, my first, uh, I did a short movie and uh, I my catering table was just an ironing board because I couldn't afford to rent a table. Yeah. I just brought oh, an ironing goodness. board out to the middle of the desert. <laughs> it was just yeah. like strawberries it, and shit sitting on top. <laughs> <laughs> in this uh, in this short, you actually see my whole apartment because that's, that's the place I used. I had a pretty nice apartment at the time. So I was like, yeah, let me use that. You can see the food <laughs> that I bought for the crew. <laughs> the I had to use that as props. Yeah, I had to use it as props yeah. for the thing because it was supposed to be like a, a college student that's like doesn't clean and shit. So I had pizza. I was like, hey, you guys, uh, can you guys eat only half that pizza <laughs> and then grab another slice? I, I need to use it. And they're like, yeah, sure. I'm like, dope. Hey, you paid okay. for it. It could be in the <laughs> shot. I mean, it's the only thing you spend oh, money yeah. on. So put it in the shot. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, uh, yeah, and I bought more than enough. God, they're walking home with whole pies at the end of the day. But, like, <laughs> it was so funny because I cleaned my whole house and then they came over. And I'm like, wait, that was a mistake. Yeah. I should have left it dirty. What the hell was happening? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you don't want them working around like your underwear and stuff. You'd rather just fake that. Hey, it, yeah, <laughs> with peanut that butter. That would have been, yeah. <laughs> well, but I think the uh, point is, you know, if you want to get into the film industry, that's a ways to get in it. This is mm-hmm. also another way to get into the industry. If it's something that you yeah. love, you know, get out there and fucking Go talk about it. it, do it and make friends with the people that are doing it as well. And that's how you're going to grow in the industry yeah. or just learn something so that you can move forward and progress. Yeah. If you live it, breathe it, work at it every single day, I mean, every single day, there is no taking days off. There is days, there is literally weeks. I was working 120 to 130 hours that week alone. Like at my school, there was a whole month I didn't go home. We had showers at school. I slept in my car. I changed. I went to the freaking laundromat down the road. I sleeping in my car. (laughs) Yeah. Like I did not go home that whole month because I was on one set after another in between class. I was working 22 hour days, getting two hours of sleep. It, it, there, but just you loved no it. reason to go. I home. hope that's the takeaway. Oh, I loved is it. That people, I loved you gotta it. love what you do because at the end of the day, you're gonna be working your ass off doing it. And mm-hmm. if you don't love it, it's not gonna be worth doing. You're not gonna put your heart yeah. and soul into it, and it will and show because of it. You won't. Yeah, you won't. And go it's as one of the only in, exactly. It's one of the only industries in the world that the harder you work, the harder and more money you're gonna get. And the more and the further you're going to um, push in the industry. There's not many other industries in the world that can say that. Yeah. Most people are like will take the credit for you. But no, in the film industry, if you do good, everybody knows it is that small. Yeah. If you do bad, everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys want, we can do a episode literally all on set 
um, or what's it called? Uh, set behavior, what you guys should and should not be doing, how you should avoid or what you should avoid from veterans, what you should uh, start researching and looking up. So it give you guys a little bit of head start if you're not going into film school. That's a good point. Yeah. If, if there are people listening Set and they etiquette. want to know that's more it. about it, that's a great opportunity for them to shoot us an email at uncoveredcinema mm-hmm. at gmail.com. You can also find us at, at uncoveredcinema at whatever handle that you do. People don't use Facebook anymore, but we're on Facebook, Instagram, yeah. Twitter, whatever you got. You can come find us, ask us your questions, and it will help us guide us for future episodes. We're happy to talk yeah. more in depth about it, but this is a great opportunity to dip your little toesies in the water of the film industry. Yeah, absolutely. And we could talk about all the equipment that you're going to need to know going onto set. So you don't look like a total weeb. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's all the stuff I own now. So, because I just, I do this for myself and, and I think that's yeah, an yeah. important thing to do. Like I make YouTube videos, I produce podcasts. Mm-hmm. I have, I have four or five shows that I manage and produce right now. And I, probably spend about 30 to 40 hours a week doing it while going to school full-time and working. So if it's, it's mm-hmm. something I love and it's something that I'll put, put the effort into. But when people, when you tell people that, Hey, work on, you know, 20 hours to put a podcast together, like what this little thing, you know, this, it was only 30 minutes. Yeah, did, no, it goes, we research it, it, time, we man. edit, we, we strive mm-hmm. to have perfect audio. It's something that we're still working yeah. on. Um, connections, yeah. Lighting. I mean, every when you when you're producing a, a a video for YouTube, even it's it's your best. It's your ongoing resume. So when you try to get yeah. hired in future gigs, people will look at those things. So if you're making a YouTube video, make it good. Put your heart and soul into it, and take the time and put the effort into it. Yeah, I only have two words of advice for anybody um, going onto a film set for the first time, whether it's professional, amateur, student, doesn't matter. One. Be early, be five, 10 minutes early, because if you're five minutes late, there's a very good chance you're going to get fired and asked to leave and never come back. Film is time is money. Okay. Every single minute over is money. They are losing. And in big movies, money minutes equal thousands of dollars minutes. Okay. And they're always behind number (laughs) always behind, always behind. So they don't need, they're always behind and they don't want to be any more behind. Exactly. They don't need a gripper electric to make them born behind. There's one dude I worked with that was 15 minutes late that I'm actually good friends with. I fired on the spot as soon as he came in and I called somebody else to call come in. That was even 10 minutes later than him. And I didn't mind waiting that extra 10 minutes because I knew the next day that person was going to be on time. Exactly. That's, that's a good So point. I fired the guy 15 minutes late and he's my friend, like somebody I drink with often. <laughs> um, number two, ask questions. If it is your first time on set, you don't know what anything is, find your supervisor. You're going to be introduced to him when you get there. Tell him like, hey, this is my first set or this is my first X amount of sets. I'm rusty. I don't really know the equipment. Um, I don't really know what I'm doing. If you can just explain a little bit, that would be helpful. And I tell you what, all veterans, there's not a single veteran in the film industry that's going to be like, oh, fuck off. I don't want to teach you. They're going to be like, yes, thank you. Thank God you're telling me because now I know I can just say, hey, grab a stinger. It's the extension cord. It's black. It's about 25 feet. They'll say it on the thing instead of saying, hey, grab an extension cord 15 minutes later. Where the fuck is that guy? The extension cord <laughs> the stingers are the right back. fucking there. What the fuck? <laughs> You're Googling yeah. film, film so, slang that probably wouldn't even show up on Google. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind. Like veterans do not mind taking an extra minute or two minutes, even walking down there and showing you what it is compared to waiting 15 minutes for you to find it and then come back again time is money you're making it easier on us to teach you because now we know you're going to know it in the future if you ask me the next day hey what what's the stinger again i forgot i only grabbed one we might be a little annoyed like hey we explained this yesterday but we're going to tell you now if it happens the third time in a row dude seriously pay attention (laughs) (laughs) now we're going to get angry I am cool with explaining things twice to a person. Third time I get pissed. Yeah. Well, you, you keep adding fingers and eventually it makes a fist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once exactly. I get to a fist, then I'm done. <laughs> yeah. That's why I tell people I'm like, Hey, I'll explain things twice to you. Easy. No problem. Third time, unless it's something difficult, like if it's an electrical issue or if it's like a specific way to how to hang up a light or something dangerous, hell fucking yeah. I'll show you how to do it. Hell I'll do it myself. But if it's something like a stinger 
or like a cube tap or something like that. That's really something simple. And I have to explain to you a third time. Yeah. Then I know for a fact you weren't listening the first two times. And then I want to get angry. And then I want to yell at you. <laughs> Probably not yell at you, but I want to talk to you sternly. And if I have to tell you a fourth time, I'm going to fire you. <laughs> like, Fair enough. That's just the way it's going to happen. <laughs> well, what do you think, Will? We think we should end it here? Next time we're talking about... Yeah, I think, I think we scared people Gemini. enough and gave them a good enough uh, in information. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a great start, a great intro. And uh, we'll see if, if we get any requests for more. We can uh, probably set up a, a live stream and talk more in depth about it. Maybe answer questions yeah. in the future. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I could definitely set up a live stream at my school. I get all the different um, pieces of equipment around that you're going to see the basic stuff you're going to see on set as a basic grip or electric or even a PA. We could um, introduce each one of the things. Hell, we can even do a series about what you should have on you as a person when you're going in as a PA or grip or electric, what you should bring from home so you don't have to worry about renting them or borrowing them from other people. Cause that's very well, important. If, no, if, if we don't get any response to that, maybe you could just do that for me because I get off on <laughs> stuff. Like I love tech. So I'll sit there and look at that stuff all day. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's not as glamorous as you would think pens and wrenches. Ooh, <laughs> sexy world of pens and wrenches. Oh, I gotta love some pens and wrenches. Hey, it's better than my world. My world's <laughs> pocket protectors and microscopes. So, <laughs> oh man, if a grip has to bring out a hammer, you know, shit's going down. <laughs> it's like god damn it well, fucking doom, doom. and they're walking by with the hammer well you just stay out of the grip's way because he's he's getting some shit done. those are the ones you don't ask their advice for <laughs> yeah damn stupid freaking thing <laughs> <laughs> that always works too that's a good thing. if something doesn't work just hit it with the hammer <laughs> maybe yeah, most work most of the time the shit's just stuck you gotta gotta bang it loose <laughs> unless that red camera doesn't turn on you don't want oh that, oh but. oh oh you go near my camera with a wrench or a hammer and i'm gonna whoop your ass two ways till sunday <laughs> have you had problems with that or the reds i know they oh, sometimes God. don't turn no, on you know everybody's so damn scared when they get near the camera they're just like i'm just gonna be the the best person in the world and hold this here and wait until somebody who knows what they're doing is coming by <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. some of these cameras are the price of a house, so you, you don't oh, want to be dude. the one to tip it over. Yeah, I have uh, my Facebook photo has me um, standing next to a, um, my Ari, right? Yeah. Um, that setup, just what's on the camera right there is $275,000. Yep, easy. Yeah, easy. I believe it. And that doesn't include the other seven uh, um, pieces of glass that are in the thing or the other equipment that is standing to the side that I'm not currently using all in all, um, everything around me was a little over, uh, $500,000, $600,000. And that's not even the I most expensive, it. uh, setup I've used either. So when I say that the camera is worth more than your life in the film industry, I am not joking because your life, if you get hurt is a couple grand the camera life, if it gets hurt, is a fuck ton more. <laughs> oh, yeah. The insurance on that must be crazy. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't let anybody who doesn't know what the hell they're doing around that camera. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, next time we're talking about Gemini Man, the technology behind that, some amazing stuff, right? So mm -hmm. uh, come back. Join us next week for that. Uncovered Cinema Podcast. I'm Brian. Uncovered Cinema. I'm Will. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>